Well, as we've already mentioned, yesterday was Veterans Day, and leading up to it this week, I got to thinking about those who serve in our armed forces and those even in our own church who have bravely worn the uniform and put their lives on the line to provide and protect our freedom. I am very thankful for that. I was thinking about even my grandfathers, both sets, uh, both uh, my dad's dad and my mom's dad served in the military. My dad's dad served for the United States uh, back in World War II, and my grandfather, my mom's dad, um, served in the Nazi army. And they, unbeknownst to them, were on opposite sides fighting against each other. Um, My wife's grandfather served, and now my wife's brother, who is my brother-in-law, not the one we got to meet uh, this week, but uh, he lives up in Michigan, and he serves and has served several different uh, terms, and uh, I am thankful. Now, as I was thinking about the soldiers that have protected our country and provided our freedom, I was thinking about the soldier referred to here in Second uh, Timothy chapter number 2, where Paul uh, is writing to young Timothy, and he says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And he refers to him as a soldier again in verse number 4, that Uh, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. You see, one of the reasons that Paul wrote these uh, two epistles, uh, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, uh, was to, obviously, as we learned on Wednesday night, um, was to instruct him regarding pastoring and what a pastor should be doing. But it was also uh, written to challenge and instruct him to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And this isn't the only place that we find this reference. In 1 Timothy 1 and verse 18, Paul says, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou uh, by them mightest war a good warfare. So there's this reference to being a soldier, to being part of God's army. In 1 Timothy 6 and verse number 12, he instructs Timothy to fight the good fight of faith. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 7, as Paul comes to the end of his life and he realizes that he's about to lay his sword down, he says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. So there's a, a, a reference, an emphasis as we go through these two epistles, 1 and 2 Timothy, regarding the idea that Uh, Christians are soldiers, particularly those who are pastors. And I'll be honest with you, as uh, in in the last couple years, uh, every time I pull in on Sunday mornings and park across the creek and get out of my truck and start making my my walk across the grass to the church building, I I often kind of think, hey, I'm I'm going into battle. I'm not just going and filling time. I'm going into spiritual battle. This is, you know, a lot lot of times there's a lot of hype for football players right before they get on the field. Um, I'm I'm preparing myself for spiritual battle, and far more important than what takes place on the gridiron is what takes place in the church house. And so I feel as though that I am a soldier of Jesus Christ, but... But look, it's it's not just for pastors who are referred to 
as soldiers of Christ. Because really, in reality, all those who have been saved and are the children of God are also called to be soldiers in the Lord's army. You see, Paul challenged all of the Ephesian believers, not just the pastors, to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might, to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And he reminded them, for, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And he tells them, again, to take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So all of us, we're, we're all in a battle as believers. Now, Paul says in Ephesians 6 that it's not against flesh and blood. So just a quick reminder for all of us uh, this morning that our battle is not against a political party. It's not against the LBGTQ plus community. It's not even against the pro-choice crowd. It's not against a coworker, a neighbor, a family member that you don't get along with, or a brother or sister in Christ that rubs you the wrong way. No, those are that's not our enemy. See, our enemy is, is not visible. See, we are battling against the devil and his demonic army. And Christians are soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we need to be in the battle. And uh, I'm in the Lord's army, and so are you if you are saved and blood, a blood-bought believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. So even though I have not served in the armed forces, I still am part of the Lord's army. And oftentimes when I go to a restaurant or uh, go somewhere and they, they, they see me pull out my USAA uh, debit card, they say, oh, are you in the military? Do you need a military discount? And I got that through being a part of uh, my wife's family and, and her uh, grandpa who served, and I say, no, I, I've not served in the armed forces, but I'm in the Lord's army, so maybe you can give me a discount. <laughs> and you know, it's worked a couple times. You might want to try it. <laughs> but but we all all are part of God's army as believers. And and friend, if you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ and you're not saved, you need to repent and be born again, be saved, and get part of the army of God. But just because you and I are in the Lord's army doesn't necessarily automatically guarantee that you are a good soldier of Jesus Christ. See, notice in verse number three, he says, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He doesn't just say, as a soldier, we're, we're, we're expected to be a good soldier. See, what does a good soldier then of Jesus Christ look like? What are the characteristics of a good soldier of Jesus Christ? And with the Lord's help, I want to take this passage and, and, and look, look into this passage and see a six essential attributes of a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And, and as we go through each of them, ask yourselves, is this true of me? I, I don't want to just be a soldier. I don't want to just be on the sidelines. I want to be a good soldier. I want to be effective in the, in the hand of God that he can use me in this particular battle. So, first of all, I want us to see that a good soldier of Jesus Christ is strong. Verse number one tells us this. Here, Paul is writing to Timothy, and he says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong. We, we, we have too many weak-sauce Christians who get kind of 
they, this isn't exactly a theological term, but they're sissy lalas. I did not learn that in Bible college. The Christians who are so weak, when, 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 when someone doesn't shake their hand that Sunday, or somebody may look at them the wrong way, they get all bent out of shape. Look, we don't have, we, this battle is too important for us to let those little things bother us. Let's develop some spiritual muscle and get strong for the Lord Jesus. He says, thou therefore, my, my son, be strong. Now, now is isn't just being strong in ourselves. No, we're to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. When we depend upon our own strength, it's, it's going to come to naught. Uh, but when we're strong in the Lord and, and in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, uh, we can have true, true strength. And uh, notice he says here in verse the second word of this, he says, thou therefore. And he's referring, of course, to what took place and what's mentioned in, in chapter number one. And, and, and he said, because of some of the potentials that I've already mentioned in chapter one, there is a necessity, there is a requirement for you as a soldier of Christ to be strong in His grace. So what are some of the things mentioned in chapter number one? Well, there's a potential for spiritual coldness and backsliding that, that's mentioned. He, he also refers to the potential of fear. In, in, in verse number seven of chapter number one, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He says, look, I know there's a temptation to get scared and to be, to be afraid, but... But, but God wants to give us some courage and some strength. Um, so there's the potential of backsliding, potential of fear, potential of afflictions. In verse number 8, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. There's going to be some afflictions that are going to come, and it's going to require some strength to endure those. And then there's apostasy in verse number 15. This, this thou knowest that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are uh, Phygelius and uh, Hermogenes. So there's definite apostasy going on around us, and we need, some, we need some strength. Strength is required and needed in the Christian life. And when we depend upon our own strength, the Bible says, or or. The, the truth of the matter is the arm of flesh will fail you. And if you depend upon your own strength, you're going to fail every time. But we need to develop the strength. We see this in the military, don't we? We don't just send somebody who says, I want to be a part of the Marines. And we don't send them the very next day into battle. There's a development time that they, and that's a nice word for those who are in the military. I, I've never been part of boot camp. Development time. Doesn't that sound so nice? Like personal development. Yeah, I'm sure it was uh, nice like that and flowery like that. No, it wasn't. But what, we, what it was meant to do was to develop strength. There, there's also, you, you can't just join. I, I could not join the military right now because there are certain physical requirements that I would not be able to meet. Number one, I'm too good looking. No, I'm kidding. That's not it. Uh, but there's certain amount of pull-ups and push-ups and and, and, and speed that you have to have and, and before you can even show up and sign up for being a part of these different armed forces. But then once you get there, 
that's just the bare minimum because by the time you're done with this thing, you're going to be able to do a whole bunch more because you're going to work on it and work on it and work on it. It's Why? So that you can go around in a uniform and look all buff and built and chiseled? No. It's so that you can endure the hardship that is about to come in battle if it potentially comes. And look, we, we, we think, hey, I got saved. I have a relationship with God, and isn't it so sweet and wonderful? And it is. And so now I'm going to just sit on the couch, and I'm going to watch TV and wait for heaven. No, there is a battle that we are in, and we need to develop some spiritual muscle. And guess what? Hate to tell you this, but building muscle takes work and effort. I, I, no, we're not saved by works, but once we're saved... Now it's time to get to work. Um, and the way that Paul puts it is, uh, well, let me, let, me, let me turn over there, Ephesians uh, 2.10. Ephesians 2.10, I don't have it in my notes, so I'm going to turn over there. Ephesians 2.10 says, Ephesians is right before Revelation, I think. <laughs> Ephesians 2.10 says, there we go, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good sitting down on the couch. No, good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So we're not to be couch potato Christians. Couch potato Christians get weak. We need to get off uh, the couch and uh, get busy serving the Lord and develop some spiritual muscle, not in our own strength, but in his strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So, if we're going to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ, we're going to need to be strong. And you say, well, I'm not super strong right now in my relationship with God. Well, let's get strong. And I know I'm not one to, I'm not Mr. Exercise. I know some of you might be. Um, I'm not one that wakes up going, sweet, get to hit the gym. Let's get this going. I just love it. No. Um, it's... It, it takes effort and discipline. The Christian life takes effort and discipline. Now, obviously, Christ working through us, that's where we have the grace, uh, being strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. It's not all up to us, but, um, but, but we do have a responsibility as soldiers to prepare ourselves for battle, to be strong. A good soldier of Jesus Christ, first of all, is strong. Secondly, a good soldier of Jesus Christ is sharing is sharing. Verse number two, notice this, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So there's a, we, we, we just sung it a few minutes ago. One of the songs says, pass the word along. Uh, we, we've been given some truth here as believers. We need to pass the word along. We need to be sharing it. See, a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't just keep the truth to themselves. They, they share it. See, we're to be channels of blessing. I was considering this. In Israel, there are two major bodies of water in Israel. The Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. Now, the Sea of Galilee receives water from the Jordan River in the north. And then the Sea of Galilee has its own springs. And so it adds to those waters and then sends the water on its way to the south. 
Well, the Dead Sea receives the Jordan River water coming down from Galilee, but there's no outlet. See, a Dead Sea Christian receives God's word, but doesn't share it with others. But a Sea of Galilee Christian receives and then shares God's word. Which kind of Christian are you? Are you one that just sits there and absorbs? And that's a good thing to absorb. It's a good thing to be a sponge and to absorb all you can, but it's not meant to just for you to... You you don't want to be a Dead Sea Christian. You don't want to get stagnant. You don't want to just let it sit there. There's got to be an outlet. There's got to be something, some way for you to be sharing it. See, a good soldier of Jesus Christ is one who shares the Word of God. One of the great things about the truth is that it never runs out. Don't think, well, if I share this, then there won't be enough left for me. It's like when I have pizza in our home. If I share a slice with my child, Luke, that piece is gone forever. If I share another piece with him, I mean, I I sit down and I have my two pieces of pizza and I'm about to get up and go get more and I look and the rapture happened and all of the pizza is gone. Those boys have a way of eating pizza quickly. When you share the word of God, it's not like you're giving it away to not have it for yourself. See, the the truth is, is eternal and it's, I suppose, infinite to where when you pass it to someone else, It's just as complete as it is for you. So what are you waiting for? Don't be stingy with the truth. Don't hoard it just for yourself. A good soldier is passing the word along. How do we do this? Well, as Christians, we're to share the gospel. We're to preach the gospel to every creature. We're to get the gospel to our own Jerusalem and to the uttermost parts of the earth, like Honduras, like the Tates are doing. We're to get the gospel all around, and, and, and we have a responsibility here at Cornerstone Baptist Church to reach this area. They're missionaries to Honduras. That's their responsibility, because that's God's calling upon their life. But guess what? God's calling upon all of us who live in this area, have a responsibility to reach our neighbors, our community, our workplaces, our schools with the gospel of Christ. We have a responsibility to do that. Uh, it's not like, well, who wants to be the missionary to more? And, uh, you know, have a nice little display, a nice little video. All of us are missionaries to more. Okay? And you may not have a display or a video, but you have God's word that tells you to go and to preach the gospel to every creature. So, as Christians, we can share the gospel with those around us. As parents and grandparents, well, we also have a responsibility, don't we, to share the truth. A good soldier is sharing the truth with those around us. And moms and dads, you have a responsibility. And and we're looking at Timothy here. and, And Timothy was one who his mom and his grandma got serious about sharing the truth with him. And Paul also took time to to talk to him about the truth. But if you go to 2 Timothy Uh, Chapter number one, go back a chapter here and look at verse number five. He says, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, I am persuaded that in thee also. 
So Timothy got to see a mom and grandma who were sincere and genuine in their faith. But it wasn't just something that, they, that he saw. If you go to chapter 3 and verse number 15. 2 Timothy 3 and verse number 15, he says, And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. How in the world did he know the Holy Scriptures from a child? Well, I believe that mom and grandma imparted the Scriptures to Timothy. Moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas, you and I have a responsibility to share the truth with our children. And if we don't, you can't say, well, uh, well I'm just going to take them to church. You need to take them to church. They're going to hear the Word of God here. But you can't just depend upon the church to do it only. You have to be doing it at home. And that was what's happening with Timothy. His mom and grandma were all in and sharing the gospel with him and sharing the word of God, sharing the truth. As parents and grandparents, we have to do this. We're called to do that in Deuteronomy chapter number 6. I'm going to turn over there real quickly. Deuteronomy chapter number 6. You don't have to, but Deuteronomy chapter number 6 and verse number 5. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And, and verse, verse 6, And these words which I command thee in this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them flippantly unto thy children. If you have time to, if it's convenient. No, that's not what my Bible says. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. So as parents and grandparents, we have a responsibility as soldiers of Jesus Christ to share the truth with our, with our children and grandchildren. We have, it, it's our responsibility. Uh, what about, what about as, a, as, a, as a church? Well, what's our responsibility there? Well, here what Paul is saying is he's like, I have, verse number two, this, Going back to 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, the things that thou hast heard of me. So Paul imparted truth to Timothy, and the idea was that Timothy wouldn't just, it wouldn't stop there. He would become a dead sea. No, that he'd be the Sea of Galilee and, 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 and pass it on to others who would then in turn pass it on to others. See, as a church, we have a responsibility here uh, to train and bring up others who would teach the Word of God. And there's an expectation that there would be many of us who would be teachers. In the book of Hebrews, kind of in the middle of uh, a theological discussion, the writer of Hebrews calls a timeout and says, you know what? I'm kind of frustrated with all of you. you. You ought to be teachers by now, but you still need to have someone to impart the basic things of the Christian life. You, you should be mature now to where you, you can move on to being a teacher. But you still are there as baby Christians. Wah, wah, wah. I need my, my milk in my bottle, and I need my passy afterwards, my binky. Um, we need to get to the point where we can become teachers. And as a pastor, I'm convicted of this. I want to do a better job at teaching people how to teach. And teaching people how to do what... What, what, what we're called to in here in, in verse number two, commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others. And, and, and I am looking for some faithful men that I could do this with. So a good soldier of Jesus Christ isn't hoarding truth for themselves. They're, they're sharing it. 
So can I ask you, are you strong? And are you sharing? A good soldier of Jesus Christ is both of those. Thirdly, a good soldier of Jesus Christ is steadfast. And I need to move quickly here because I have six. A good soldier of Jesus Christ is steadfast. In verse number three, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And this goes a little bit along with what we talked about in the first one, but I think this is a little bit more uh, descriptive here. A good soldier of Jesus Christ is steadfast because, look, they're going to experience hardness. You think about the military soldier and and how they go through boot camp and are subjected to all kinds of difficult scenarios to help prepare them, to prepare their body and mind to deal with the challenges of war. Now, I've never been in battle, but I, I know this. I know enough to know that war is not a cakewalk. It's not a walk in the park. I know that it's filled with hardness. It's filled with difficulty. I mean, there's a separation from family and friends. There's going days without adequate food and water. And what there's the... Uh, the heart-wrenching watching your brothers-in-arms go down in, in battle. There's experiencing physical pain and injury that you endure. And you're also enduring the fact that this could be your last day here upon this earth as you go into battle. John Phillips, he's a commentator, and he shared this personal testimony because he served in the, uh, the British Army. He said, when I was 18, I was drafted into the British Army. In boot camp, we raw recruits were turned into soldiers by being taught to endure hardness. The officers instilled into us the Army's concept of discipline and obedience. And so we endured hours of drilling, endless parades, long route marches, constant pressure, tasteless food, guard duty, bullying sergeants. Lectures and exposure to inclement weather. The whole procedure was designed to toughen us up. See, Paul said it this way, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. See, once again, the Christian life, while there are wonderful blessings to be enjoyed, it does not negate the fact that we are in a spiritual battle. And there are hard things that must be endured in the Christian life. You say, well, this isn't exactly a great advertisement for becoming a Christian. Well, here's how Jesus put it. Those who follow me must take up his cross and deny himself. That's not exactly the most attractive advertisement either, but that is the truth. And the Christian life is not a playground, it's a battlefield. And there are hard things that that need to be endured at times in the Christian life. Paul experienced quite a few difficult things, and um, I like what he said in Acts chapter 20 and verses 22 through 24. He said, And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. So I have no idea what to expect when I get to Jerusalem. This could be my last day on earth when I get there. I don't know. Verse 23, he says, Say that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But then the very next verse, he says, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the grace of God. He said, look, it doesn't really matter what happens, life or death, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep enduring hardness. 
Paul did encounter several hard things in his Christian life. He gives this laundry list of hardness in 2 Corinthians 11 when he said this, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant. In stripes above measure. In prisons more frequent. In deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often. In perils of water. In perils of robbers. In perils by my own countrymen. In perils by the heathen. In perils in the city. In perils of the wilderness. In perils in the sea. In perils among false brethren. In weariness. In painfulness. In watchings often. In hunger and thirst. In fastings often. In cold and nakedness. Besides all those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. And he said, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to let anything move me from doing what I should do. I'm going to keep enduring hardness as a good soldier. And look, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but there are going to be difficult things that you will face in the Christian life. You're going to face temptation to sin. That's not easy. You're going to face trials and tribulations. Just ask Job how... Wonderful that was. You're going to face disappointment from people, from pastors, from brothers and sisters in Christ. You're going to face those things. You're going to be mistreated at times because of your faith, perhaps. You may actually experience true persecution. And Paul said that those who live godly in Christ Jesus shall receive all kinds of blessings. Oh, I wish that's what the verse said. That's not what the verse says. The verse says, shall suffer persecution. And there's going to be afflictions. Uh, David said, many are the afflictions of the righteous. So what are you going to do? Are you going to bail? Adonai Jetson, who was a missionary of yesteryear in Burma, who was the first foreign missionary from America. He, he endured great hardship in Burma. Think about this. He was imprisoned for 17 months under terrible conditions. It wasn't like he was in a prison like we have today where there's a TV, a nice little cot, and a nice little uh, bathroom situation there. No, no, that, that, that was not his uh, conditions. He was kept in iron fetters and half-starved. Sometimes Mr. Judson was suspended by his feet with only his head and shoulders touching the ground. Oh, how comfortable would that be? See, of all the British who were imprisoned with Judson, all but one died. Judson's wife, Anne, remained free and helped him, or he probably would have died too. But her health was destroyed by her unrelenting efforts to help her husband in spite of her own raging fever, lack of food, and care for a, nur- care for a nursing baby that was born after Adonai's imprisonment. Soon after his release from prison, Judson lost his faithful wife. Six months later, their two-year-old daughter, Maria, also died. Judson sank into a deep depression, but... Uh, from his labor and, and from his labors, God brought him back into the light and gave him a very fruitful ministry that is still being impactful today. Though he's dead, yet he continues to speak. His life and ministry continues to live on. Okay, well, if that happened to you, would you say, I am throwing in the towel? No, as a good soldier here, we're to endure hardness. One of the 
messages that my son Seth brought a couple months ago, just want to remind us, and for those who maybe weren't here, what C.T. Studd said about chocolate, chocolate Christians. For those who are here, you might remember that. Chocolate Christian. Uh, C.T. Studd said, A chocolate Christian is one who dissolves in water and melts at the smell of fighter. Sweeties they are, bonbons, lollipops, living their lives on a glass dish or in a cardboard box, each clad in his soft clothing, a little frilled white paper to preserve his dear little delicate constitution. Are you a chocolate Christian that when the going gets tough, you melt and bend? Here, Paul is encouraging us as soldiers to have some backbone, to have some courage. Instead, to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ, be a soldier who will be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I was thinking about John Mark as he took off with Paul and Barnabas on the very first missionary journey. How exciting that must have been. Then as they get along just a few verses later, John Mark is like, you know what? This ain't as cool as I thought it was going to be or as exciting and adventurous as I thought it was going to be. I'm going to go ahead and go back to mommy. And so John Mark departs and goes back to Jerusalem to be back with his mommy because it was getting a little bit hard. Don't be like that. A good soldier is steadfast. They endure hardness. They just keep going despite the difficulty they encounter. A good soldier of Jesus Christ is strong, is sharing, is steadfast. Three more very quickly here, and I will cover these pretty quickly here. Number four, a good soldier of Jesus Christ is separated. Verse number four tells us this, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. Why? So that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. See, a soldier gives up his own business during the time for which he is enlisted. For those who served, you know this to be true. You, you, you don't get to carry on your same hobbies that you did when you were enlisted. You don't get to carry on the same business or the freedoms that you had. You sacrifice all of those things so that you might focus solely on the mission at hand. He devotes himself to the service of his country. I mean, the farmer leaves his plow, the mechanic leaves his shop, and the merchant leaves his store, and the students his books, and the lawyer his briefcase. And neither of them expect to pursue these things while engaged in the service of their country. Well, how, how then do Christians think that they can be entangled with the affairs of this life and still be a good soldier of Jesus Christ? It can't happen can't happen. There needs to be a separation. The word entangleth means to twist or interweave in such a manner as to not be easily separated. So when you start getting involved in something, it reminds me of when uh, our daughter Faith was young and, and the boy they were playing in the back seat. And I think this happened on a couple of occasions where there was gum and it got placed in her hair. I think this happened right when her hair started growing because she, like me, for the longest time, was bald and beautiful. She didn't have a lot of hair right at the beginning. It took her a while to develop that beautiful hair that she has now. And I really liked having a fellow bald person in the family. It was really great. But her hair started to grow finally, and then I think one of the boys got some gum, and, and it fell out of their mouth, and they grabbed it, and anyway, it ended up on her hair. We had to cut it out. There was just no way. 
And it's like, bummer, just when she's starting to get some hair. And uh, the old adage, well, it'll grow back. <laughs> um, we, we need to make sure that we're not getting so tangled up in the things of this world that can distract us from filling our purpose as a soldier of Jesus Christ. There's a few things he mentions in this chapter later on that we, not, we ought not to be involved in. In verse number 19, he says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. When you're just so involved in iniquity, you're not going to be able to be a good soldier. You're not going to be able to be effective. At verse number 22, flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Foolish and unlearned questions avoid. And this again is directed to Timothy in, in the primary application is to pastors, but, but Christians would do why we would be very wise to heed the same advice, though. The writer of Hebrews puts it this way: Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Demas was one who was involved in the work of God. He was a soldier of Jesus Christ. He was busy in the battle working for the Lord. But guess what happened? He got entangled with the affairs of this life. He departed from the battlefield. Why? Because he loved this present world. Don't be a Demas. I know this world is attractive. But this world is not our home. We're just a passing through. Our treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And look, we're just pilgrims here. We, 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 don't, we don't need to hang out here forever because this is not our permanent dwelling place. We need to set our affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Demas got his eyes on the things on this earth, and it pulled him away, and he became a little bit of a, what do they call that, soldier who departs? He went AWOL. Don't do that. We have too many Christians who are doing that. We need all the help we can get. We have a pretty big community that needs the gospel. We need every all hands on deck. And for those not in the, in the Navy, I'm sorry to offend you by saying that because I know that that's a Navy statement. So what are you entangled with today? Let's remove that. Fifthly, a good soldier of Jesus Christ is striving. A good soldier of Jesus Christ is striving. Uh, verse number four, no man that warreth entangled himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. One of the things we ought to be striving for is to please the one who's chosen us to be a soldier in the first place. To strive to please him. And, and, and while there's nothing we can do to make, him, make God love us any more than he already does, we can indeed please him. Can be done. And, and that should be our heart's desire to please the Lord. Um, when Jesus was baptized, one of the things, one of the details of that instance was the voice that came down from heaven, which was God the Father. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, he said. And we can absolutely please the Lord, and that's a that's a more of an in-depth study that we could do some other time, but there's different ways that God is well pleased. When, we, when you look at the scriptures, there's different things that are mentioned that please the Lord. 
And it'd be a good study for you to do on your own. Okay, Lord, what pleases you? Let me, let me look through the Bible and do a study on what pleases you and go through those things and ask, are those true in my life? And do I really desire to please the Lord? So a good soldier is striving, and we see that not only that we should strive to please the Lord, but we, we see this idea of striving in verse number five. If a man also strive for masteries, he is not crowned, except he strive lawfully. And then verse number six, the husbandman that laboreth must first part, be first partaker of the fruits. So we see this, the word strive and strive and, and labor. The word strive here gives the idea of agony. It gives the idea of working for an effort and labor. A good soldier is not one to just, again, sit on the couch and let everybody else serve. They're busy working and striving. Uh, the 2024 Olympic Games are coming up in June in Paris. Do you think that those Olympians right now are just kind of sitting on the couch eating a bunch of Lay's potato chips, which is what I like to do? And no, they're not. They're busy getting up at four or five in the morning and doing this rigorous training program and, and watching their diet and, and being careful with what, how they spend their time and making sure that they're getting adequate rest. And there, there's attention and, and there's a focus and there's discipline. Again, Christians, we think, hey, I've got salvation. I can now just coast. No, no, there, there needs to be some striving. There needs to be some effort, some labor. And of course, the greatest thing we can labor to do is to please him. And there's also things that we can be doing to get the gospel out. I must work the works of him that sent me while his day. The, the night cometh when no man can work. A good soldier is striving. Number six, let me wrap it up with this last one here. A good soldier of Jesus Christ is studying. Is studying in verse number 15. He says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. See, a good soldier understands that he needs to work on not just the body and the will, but also the mind. I was reading about boot camp, and it's not just a bunch of drills and yelling, although that's a good chunk of it, isn't it? <laughs> um, there are also classes where these recruits need to learn some things. They have written tests. It's, it's not just about... Uh, developing the body and the, and the will. It's also about developing the mind. And here is a soldier of Jesus Christ. We need to study and, and, and not just study random things. We're, we're called at the end of that verse to study the word of truth, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we need to know the scriptures. And, and a good soldier knows the, the war manual and, and it knows the, the, how we can win this battle and how we can have victory in Jesus. Well, again, that all requires time and effort to study the Scriptures. So some things I would just like to throw out there in a way that, practical ways that you and I can study the Scriptures. Well, I would say, first and foremost, be in church. And I realize I'm speaking to people who are in church right now. And praise the Lord. Um, so be in church because... Here at Cornerstone Baptist Church, it's not just a bunch of philosophy that we throw out there. It's not just a Reader's Digest message. We preach the Bible here at Cornerstone Baptist Church. If you look up on the wall there, it even says it, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord. That's what we're all about here at Cornerstone Baptist Church. 
Teaching and preaching the word of the Lord. So when you come to the services, you're going to get the scriptures. You're going to learn the scriptures. That's why it's important for you to be faithful to the services. That's why it's not just, well, I'm not feeling the vibe and it's been busy. It's been a busy week and I'm a little tired tonight. That might be true, but do you know that that doesn't stop an Olympian from training? They still train because they want that gold medal. We have something far greater to work for, something far more important, and that's to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So let's just be faithful to the services. Well, we've kind of doesn't really fit in our schedule. Change your schedule. If your schedule's not a if you're not willing to change your schedule for God, I'm not saying change it for me. Oh, don't change it for me. Change it for God. Because God is the one who said that we're to be assembling ourselves together and so much the more as you say today approaching. So do it for him. Because here at Cornerstone, you're going to get the scriptures. And it's necessary for our spiritual growth. Be in church. Then have a, that, have a personal time in the scriptures every day. Um, most of you who are on social media, probably check your social media feed once a day, probably many times a day. And we check Facebook, but do we get, do we check the Father's book? Learning about what somebody else is eating for breakfast and went for lunch is not going to help you in difficult times, but the Father's book will. So, look at your priorities. Have a personal time in the scriptures every day. Memorize scripture. Study them. Yeah, oh, I read my Bible. Check. Okay, well, maybe now it's time to start growing and start studying. Start trying to get some subjects and learning about. And what does the Bible say about this? And start studying. Start studying. The Bible says here, study to show thyself approved unto God. Now, I, when I was in school, hated the word study. It was not my favorite word at all. But now that I'm a pastor, now that I've been forced to study, I love to study. I enjoy it. I learn so much, and it helps me out. Good soldier of Jesus Christ is studying. Now, let me, let me wrap this up. Like it or not, as a Christian, you are a soldier in the great spiritual battle that rages. The question is, are you a good soldier of Jesus Christ? Are you strong? Are you sharing? Are you steadfast? Are you separated, striving, and studying? I hope the answer is yes. If not, maybe you need to make some decisions today. With that, let's have a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for the time together. God, I pray that you would help us to understand the fact that you have called us to be soldiers. And that, Lord, we are in the Lord's army. And it is a privilege to be uh, with my brothers and sisters in Christ and my brothers in arms and my sisters in arms as well. Lord, I, I pray, Lord, you'd help us to be good soldiers.